Welcome to another episode of 360 Degrees, part of the Urban Breakdown Network on this fine, sunny Saturday afternoon out here. So um, we got Odie with us as always. Good morning, Odie. Good morning, guys. All right. And we got Van joining us this morning. Good morning, Van. What is up, people? And we got myself, Big Merce. So... We're going to go ahead and just jump right into it. We've got a lot of stuff to talk about today. So, Odie, what you got for us? All right. So, first and foremost, I actually want to start by talking about a topic I usually never have much input on at all, because mainly because I just don't have any interest. Um, and I always say this on the show, but ever since Ray Allen retired, I don't give a fuck about basketball. Like, he was my reason to watch. I'll put on my little Celtic slippers and, like, watch games on Christmas Day, like, that was my shit. But since he retired, of course, I've lost interest. Um, but uh, recently, I just found out that Ice Cube decided to start a league called the Big Three League uh, that's specifically for retired players. So, of course, I got excited because I'm like, yeah, like, Ray Allen has a great shot at, like, joining that league, and, like, I'll probably take interest again. Um, and, you know, he, I follow him on social media. He's He's been staying in shape. Like, he, I think mainly because in his case specifically, he didn't really retire on purpose. Like, it was kind of like an accidental retirement. You know, he just didn't get picked up. And so the expectation was, like, well, let me stay in shape in case I do get picked up. But now that it's been so long, it's just like, okay, he's retired. He's unofficially retired. And um, I think this is a really cool concept to see, like, some of your faves get back on the court for the ones that are that have stayed in shape, whether it was due to accidental retirement or injury or something else that took them out of the league. Um, but there's already been, quote-unquote, drama, and Lamar Odom has been deactivated from the league. And I, I kind of hate that term. I, I like it because it doesn't sound so permanent as, like, firing, but I feel like we can all read between the lines. Like, that's clearly not a good thing, at least for Lamar Odom. I don't know. I don't, I don't know how I feel about the term. But uh, Lamar Odom did release a statement in response to this. I really like um, – I don't know who manages his account, um, but I felt like it was a very classy response. Um, and in spite of everything he's been through, I don't – he hasn't been as reckless on social media. Like, usually he – I think keeps it classy and, like, pretty much comes out on top um, whenever he posts responses to things, unlike Chris Brown, who, you know, lashes out at people. (laughs) Um, So here's the statement. He says, as most of you have heard, the big three decided to deactivate me for the remainder of the 2019 season. I respect Ice Cube and the other league executives. However, I'm extremely disappointed with the way that this has been handled. 
Besides the embarrassment, it's disappointing to read on Instagram this decision had been made, especially without sharing it with, with myself or manager or my manager. Only after I heard from the media, I was then told that the big boys cutting checks decided that they had to deactivate me with no real specific explanation. Now I'm going to pause that real quick and just say, like, surely there had to be a clause, like, if your manager didn't, like, negotiate a clause for, like, unjust firing or, you know, firing you without explanation, then that's kind of on your manager or whoever negotiates those things for you. Like, you should get a new manager. If they don't have clauses in your contract and what it is that you're doing to say, like, oh, okay, like, you have to fire me with just cause and fucking, like, then you're going to have to pay me kind of thing. Anyway, um, he said, TMZ apparently did manage to get a clear answer from Ice Cube and quoted, my health was their concern. I've been 100% transparent about my condition before signing the contract, but at that point it wasn't an issue. I was told after game one that I had been given extra time to get stronger. I don't know how many games they've had, but okay. Um, he says, I have been working hard daily to get in better game, sh- in better game shape. The willingness and intent has always been there to play. The Rhode Island game that is happening tomorrow was the game I have been looking forward to the most. As many people know, this is where it all started for me. I'm aware that at some point in life we have to accept and surrender to what God has planned or not planned for us. So I'm staying positive. I worked very hard to make a comeback in my life, and no rejection can stop me. Thank you, Big Three. I would like to, I would love for you all not to express any negativity towards Big Three, as I am proud and rooting hard for Ice Cube to build this league to the next level. He's the only black male owning a sports league in the U.S. Uh, just let that one sink in for a moment. We must always think about the big picture, supporting our brothers and sisters. Let's all be open to live with the concept of feedback because this can help us to improve. I hope that we can use this situation as a lesson to grow, heal, and become better people. I salute all of you. Thank you for the love and energy. Shout out to Ed Brown for letting me wear his jersey for the slam photo shoot. Much love, Lamar. That was a really classy response. I, I, I will give him that. Yeah, like, I'm just like, okay, like, that's how, to me, how you should take a loss and turn it into a win because not only does it just increase your chances for the next opportunity because people will, like, look at that and just be like, well, how does he handle bad news? I mean, like, that's a really fucked up position to be in, finding out on social media that you've been fired, like, your boss and the company you work for didn't even have decency to tell you, like, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, 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 do, I do customer service for a living, and, you know, when people quit our service, we try to make that as smooth as possible for one reason, because if it doesn't work out with their new company, then they may come back, because they may remember, oh, yeah, they were really nice, you know, even when I was uh, leaving, they were really nice to me, hey, you know, maybe they'll give me a, a, a better rate this time around, you know? So it is important that we make that exit you know, strategy as, you know, as, as smooth as possible. But then again, in Lamar, I mean, put it like, I mean, I know I always, you know, go back to the past, but I remember there was a wrestler named uh, Yokozuna, and he was already like a huge dude, uh, huge in size. And when he came back, he tried, to, he tried to make a comeback, he was like 500 pounds, and this man was like, there is no way I can put you in the ring. You're too much of a health risk. And then, just to prove Vince's point, when he was training, he died of heart attack. You know, so, I, so if if the if his health, as far as like you know his 
near-death experiences and stuff like that. If that was a concern, I can dig that, but I do agree with Lamar Odom in the fact that uh, they could have handled that better. And I, and I will I, I will chalk this up to Ice Cube's inexperience as a – I don't know if he's owned other businesses in the past, but this is something very public, and I'll just chalk it up as not as malice, but as, you know, now I think he'll know how to better handle it. You know. I wonder though, like, then how much juice does Ice Cube really have? Like, is he really an ambassador for gathering the talent? You know what I mean? Is he like, is he a spokesman? I don't think he has like real stake in the league. Then, like, does he own it or is he a brand ambassador? You know what I mean? There's a huge right. difference between being an owner in a company or a part owner or whatever versus yeah, like holder. Yeah, like you are the spokesman, and it's just like, I don't know. Like, because if he does have the juice, then why would you handle, like, why would you treat Lamar like that? Or anybody, Um, any of your employees for that matter. But either way, I look at, like, Lamar came out on top of this. There's liability behind somebody who has that kind of spotlight. So I understand the thought process. People want to sit here and think about being nice about shit, but when somebody has it's not like about a past, being nice, you like to, you don't want their past to come and smack you in the face, and it's a liability. You really got to understand the business aspect of it. If he did, he did it wrong, yeah, but the business aspect of it, of he is a liability. Oh, I'm sure, but he wasn't any more of a liability the day you went to him and asked him to sign the paperwork, and now. It's not like he had any new incidents where it was like, oh, shit, like Lamar got coked out again or, you know, Lamar was in the hotel with the prostitute. Now, at least publicly, who knows, maybe they did find out something privately. You know, maybe they had a private investigator following his ass. I don't know. And then found out. But I'm just like, you could have done all of that before you had him sign on a dotted line if that's what you were concerned about. But even so, I think he, he didn't perform up to, like, their expectations. And that's probably what, when they say his health, that's what they're referring to. Because um, that's how I kind of read Because I didn't watch the game, but that's how I read in between the lines. He said that I've been uh, transparent about my health. So I guess he already told them, like, I don't think I'm up to fighting shape or, you know, I'm, I'm not 100%. And so they said, oh, like, no problem, we'll give you time, and then turned around and fired him. Which, yeah. again, that is their prerogative to fire him, but – letting him find out through social media is crazy as fuck. Like, that's terrible. Like, that's trash. Well, and I I think people don't realize how to do business with social media, you know, and it's why why somebody like AOC kicks so much ass in Congress is because she's realized how to make, how to turn uh, social media to her advantage. Like, for athletes, social media has just been like a millstone around their necks because, they get in so much trouble because of social media because they don't realize the gravity of what they say and how far it reaches, you know? So you so, know what's funny is, like, I, um, I, you know, I listen to, like, one of my favorite podcasts called The Read, and one of the hosts, Kid Fury, was talking about an app. He was, like, because he was talking about Chris Brown and how somebody should, like, like a real friend should control, like, and he was also talking about April, um, Omarion's baby mama, Apparently, we talked about her on the show last week, but apparently she got on Instagram Live and was, like, patting her pussy and then <laughs> just acting a fucking fool. Like, she, yeah. she was clearly drunk and was acting a fool. And he was saying that 
there should be an app where your real friend, like you call your real friend whenever you have, um, whenever you're thinking about going on social media and they talk you off the ledge. And and so I, re- I tweeted him and I said, actually, the app should be called Censor. And basically, and I spelled it with an S because, like, it wouldn't be censored. It, yes, you're being censored, but it's common sense, too. So you have your real friend who actually interrupts your Instagram post and doesn't and approves it for you. So there should be, like, a delay where your friend your real friend has to approve the app. And he liked my status. He was like, you're actually on to something. And I was like, that's what all, I feel like any celebrity should have, athletes, singers, all of them, so they don't keep saying these problematic things and alienating their fucking fan base. You know, I, I thought that a lot of, like, upper-tier people had someone who managed their account. I thought that was the case. Don't quote me on that. You don't do not all. You could tell, like, you could tell the ones who don't. Beyonce probably does, but everybody else does. Most people don't use it, and they it's like you know. But the problem is when people when people are, you know, when they go live and stuff, they you can't control any of that. But I feel like if you had a if you had an app where it diverted your live status, like your quote unquote real friend or whoever is looking at it can say like. Oh, that you're drunk. Like we're not about to do this Instagram live right now. Right. You know what I mean? And then I'll get into that. And then none of us have to like be talking shit about you for the next week, or however long the news cycle goes. I mean, it, it's you forgot to all these years. People still haven't figured out social media. I have a friend of mine. He um he got off of Facebook because he had gotten a new job, but he found out that his job monitors social media, uh, social media stuff. And he's out now. He's not like wild and crazy like that, but I mean, you know, he'll, he'll post a lot of political stuff. So he got off of Facebook, you know, and, and I asked him, I was like, well, like, where you been, man? And he was like, yeah, you know, new job, you know, I've got to keep my social media profile low, you know? So he's just on Instagram now. He doesn't get on Facebook anymore. You know? And people are, you know, a lot. Of, I mean, I'm pretty sure that if I ever became a, if I ever decided to, to buy uh, to buy one more sport coat, and then decide to, because uh, I only own one, so if I did, if I, I always joked about if I got a second sport coat, I'd run for public office in North Carolina. If I ever did that, I'd have to probably just delete my social media account because it's not like it's not racist, but I, I do go in hard on some of these politicians, and I do go in hard on some of these people who try to, like, you know, come out and be like, you know, say dumb shit like, you know, you know, we don't owe black people anything. Slavery was 400 years ago, and I go in hard on them, and it's on my account. So I'd have to, del- I'd have to just delete my entire account if I ever decide to run for public office because I don't have time to go back over every tweet <laughs> and find out the dumb shit I've said over the years. Oh, crazy, yo. I'm sorry. You threw me over. You said you only had one sports coat. I'm, 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 not, I'm not a fashion plate. I'm, I'm not a clothes horse. I basically, I, my clothes are by attrition. If, if a shirt gets worn out, I'll buy another shirt. That's pretty. That's pretty much it. <laughs> so yes. So yes. That, that, that's not me trying to be funny. I do only own one sport coat. And I haven't worn it in like five years, so I don't even know what the hell is going on with it. Oh 
Well, good luck to Lamar. Uh, I haven't heard anything about Ray Allen being in that league. So, uh, you know, Cube, if you listening, you know what to do. I'll never join the big three. Uh, whatever. Let me see him real quick and see. Um, I, I, I look I, at it like this real quick before you go on. I remember Mike Tyson, he ended up in that uh, movie with Donnie Yen, you know, uh, <laughs> Ip Man 3, and he did a, a fight scene. And Mike Tyson was talking about it, and he was saying that um, – his daughter is his manager, and she gets him, like, gigs and stuff like that. And he told his daughter, if you get me any gigs, get me gigs where I don't have to work out anymore. Because, <laughs> you know, being a professional athlete is a lot of working out, a lot of maintaining, even when in, even in the off season. So I know a lot of athletes are like, well, I'm, I don't got to work out no more, so time to, time to let this gut hang, you know. But there are still some people, and I think with an introduction of a league like this, some people may want to just kind of stay in shape just in case, you know, just in case they get that call. Like, I, I know with Ray Allen's a little bit different because, you know, he didn't get picked up probably because he was older, you know. And they'd have to pay him a, a good amount of money to only play, like, 12 minutes a game. But, um... I know, hold on, because Abdul-Rahim, Abdul-Rahim, whatever his name is, he's in his mid-40s. He plays the league. Oh, really? Is he playing again? I remember, uh, I, I know there's a big... I don't want, that's a whole nother segment about him. You know, he was like Kaepernick before Kaepernick, you know. And um, I think he didn't, he, didn't he go to play in Europe after a while? Like he was getting that much fun? Last time I checked, he played for the league. Yeah. And he was, and he was really good. That, that was, that was yeah, a tragedy. He really is an awesome player. Definitely an awesome player. Yeah. So... All right, well, I'm going to move on. Mosey, you got to move on to your favorite rapper, at least of the late 90s, because <laughs> he did run, like, the late 90s. Um, Jeffrey Atkins, also known as John Lewis, uh. has um, been entertaining us with this fire festival fiasco nonsense. Um for the past, I don't know, because when was the fire festival? When did that happen? Like two thousand. It wasn't that long ago. I think it happened in two thousand seventeen. Yeah, I think it was two thousand seventeen. So, but if you don't know what the fire festival was, entertain yourself. I actually need to watch the other documentary on Hulu. Um, but there's Hulu, and then there's the Netflix one. I've watched the Netflix documentary. But then you got to watch The Breakfast Club, because he did an interview with The Breakfast Club. He was talking about he wanted to do it again. I did. I did watch, yeah. I did. I saw The Breakfast Club interview as well. But the documentary was way more entertaining because, of course, like, you know, they had all these different people who were involved with the festival interviewed. So uh, if you're not familiar with the story, backstory is, this guy named Billy McFarland is a fucking scammer, an A1 scammer. But he managed to collect millions of dollars from all these different investors and um, into, like, creating this very elite music festival experience. It was supposed to be on an island, but it was on an island in the, in the Caribbean that had no proper infrastructure to have this kind of music festival. Um, the accommodations weren't right. These fools ended up being fed cheese sandwiches. <laughs> I don't even laugh, but 
it's so funny when you think about like these rich ass people um, who were like persuaded. Well, the music festivals are very hard to like organize. They seem to be popping up a lot more now, but yeah, like those shits are very hard to organize. Um, they were supposed to be like I don't think any of the acts ended up coming through. Um, and people paid like thousands and thousands of dollars to go to this festival for the weekend, and they had shot it. They had shot this promo and had like all these Instagram influencers posted, um, you know, basically making it look like they were going to be there, and they had all these beautiful models and shit. And of course, like none of that happened. Like the promo was way better than the actual experience because <laughs> you know the experience was shit. Like it, it rained. It was a, it was a mess. I mean, they can't control the weather, obviously, but the fact that they were already sleeping in tents and with strangers and didn't even have their bags, it was just a shit show. Um, and of course, like Billy is in jail still for this mess, um, and everybody's trying to figure out what to do with Ja Rule, like how liable Ja Rule is, because he's involved in this because he partnered with Billy. Um, to put on this festival. So it was like basically Billy's company and Ja Rule present Firefest, whatever. And I thought he was just, still in litigation for that too. He was what? I thought he's still in litigation with that. No, actually okay. uh, Ja Rule just got cleared this week. So um, he has been cleared in any wrongdoing. Uh, he's always he not even always, but he's he's consistently said in the past like he maintains his um, not innocence, but like he said he he basically said I was scammed I was scammed and swindled too. Um, so wait, he he was cleared of any wrongdoing. So by yes. the law, he said he was, he was cleared. Yes. So that means he cleared. The federal judge said that he is not responsible. That Billy showed his way, but. This is my problem with this, because I did watch the Netflix documentary. And after all the shit happened and, um, you know, everybody finally got back home or whatever, like Monday morning they had this, like, quarterback debriefing call or whatever where everybody talked about what went wrong, um, you know. And this was like a situation where everybody seeing the shit was falling apart before it happened. And they kept telling Billy to pull out, pull out, pull out, and he wouldn't. He just kept going full steam ahead, like, talking about make it work. Remember in, like, Friday when the uh, when Smokey's mom sent him to the store and was yeah. like, <laughs> go buy me some cigarettes? And he was like, give me the money. And she was like, she gave him, like, $2 or some shit. He was like, this ain't enough. And she was like, make it enough. Like, Billy was that guy. Like, he was like, nah, this shit got to work. Like, make it enough. I know, like, you gave me $2, but it's not enough. The only difference was he actually had enough, but he didn't have enough for what he was trying, the vision he was trying to execute. I mean, he could have done something much smaller that probably would have been just as dope and not, like, tarnish that name or that concept forever. Um, But basically, yeah, they just kept opening up to more and more people and, they scammed a lot of people. So, of course, all these rich-ass people was like, I'm calling my lawyer, I'm calling my daddy when I get home kind of shit. Right. And um, now, at, like, when they had that Monday morning call, though, like the debrief, Ja Rule, I remember him saying this. And to me, I feel like this is what should have made him responsible because 
they said something like, so one of the one of the people on the call was just like, but you scam people or like it was a lie or it was fraud, and he said. He he tried to correct them. He tried to like refinesse the word fraud. He was like, "It's not fraud. It's just not the truth, or some shit like that." Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what the fuck? It's the same thing, and you know that it is. And the fact that you're still defending this even after the shit went wrong tells me that you had some. You know what I mean? Like, you're just your hands are just as dirty. Maybe not equally dirty to Billy's, but your hands are fucking dirty too. And I think to, like, clear him entirely was wrong as fuck. Like, that that shouldn't have went down like that. He should have been fine something. I think it's some bullshit. Yeah. I mean, because here's the thing. No one knows who, who this Billy character is, right? But they all know who Ja Rule is. So they figure if Ja Rule's face – I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to guess. I don't know how rich people spend their money or, you know – and then here's the thing. I think Billy knew what he was doing because he figured it was an elite thing for rich people, and rich people like to be elite. You know, they like to be like, well, I don't want the same health care that these peasants are getting. I want my own special health care where the, the tongue depressors are made of platinum, you know, some goofy-ass shit. So I'm not going to say that they deserve to be tricked, but I think that the elite part is what drew them, and then having Ja Rule's name on it was also a, a, a big draw for them. And I think Ja Rule should have at least been fine because, I mean, you just can't, you know, I, I remember Pat and Oswald was talking about a, a dude who wrote a movie called Deathbed, The Bed That Eats. That's an actual movie. Look it up. And he said one of two things happened. Either the dude didn't have any doubts at all or he had doubts and worked through them. And he was like, I can't believe I'm putting my name on this piece of shit. You know what I mean? Like, if you're going to put your name on something, you need to know that what you're putting your name on is going to be worth it because you know that the first person they're going to come after is you. And the fact that he got off without any, you know, I agree with you, he should have been fined. At the very least, they should have fined him, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like some accountability, something like, you know, because even Instagram changed the way that they do these. Like now you'll notice or you may have noticed like, these influencers, like uh, Kylie Jenner and all of them or whatever, like, they have to put pound ad, they have to hashtag it ad, so it's clear that this is an advertisement. They are not necessarily, like, saying or endorsing, you know, that I'm going to be at this festival or that the talent is going to be at this festival. They are just a paid advertiser because they got paid to post it, to post these, and, like, and that shit was, like, it was marketed brilliantly. Like, I cannot, like, if nothing else, I cannot take that away from this Billy guy. Like, this motherfucker, like, yeah. really killed it. Uh, he made sure that people felt like they would be, you know, sexy, desirable by going to this festival. And, you know, like, festival attendees, too, that's, like, a big thing in, in that community is, like, FOMO. Like, nobody wants to miss out on anything. And it's, like, it doesn't matter if you have, like, ten other festival wind up for your summer or for the year, like, if you're not disciplined, then you missed out. Like, it's, even though the talent and the acts are the same, like, nobody wants to miss out. And he, like, he pounced on that. Like, he knew that, and he took it, like, not took advantage of it, but he marketed it to them. And that was brilliant. It was brilliant, but... He, he took advantage of their elitism. Yeah. 
he took advantage of their elitism because they, he, he marketed it as an, as an elite event. And it's like, oh well, I know these, I know these poor people aren't going to be able to go to the fire festival. Hey, you know, the, you know, we poor people can get our own cheese sandwiches. Thank you very much. <laughs> and we can get, and, and if I have a coupon, I can get Belvita. Ah, how about that? These guys was tight, like they were, and first, and then what was he, like just the shit that he did, like he when the festival was running out of money. Then they sold these, like, deluxe tents that nobody even could build to try to get more money. They were like, you know, $100,000 or some dumb shit. And he was like, let's just see if we can sell them. And people bought them. Then he had, um, uh, what else did he have? He had some other shit that he did. Oh, he told people that they couldn't, it was going to be cashless. So they, he gave them wristbands with their money on it, which is actually a very cool concept mm-hmm. um, because, you know, like, who wants to have pickpocketers? And people were asking him, like, oh, well, you know, is there any maximum to the amount of money? People were putting, like, thousands and thousands of dollars on their wristbands. But, again, the island did not have the proper infrastructure to have Wi-Fi all over it. So how are you going to collect the money? Right. <laughs> Fucking crazy. Like, I, you know what's, what's even crazier is I've, I thought about how this properly could have been done. Like, instead of having thousands and thousands of people, he legit could have done this, could have pulled this off, and it would have been dope. But he should have, all he had to do was just make it, instead of, like, letting several hundred people come to the island, it should have been just, like, 200 max. Like, then it would be, like, intimate and way more exclusive, it certainly would have been VIP for everybody because it wouldn't have been as many people. And then just have, like, a couple of stages where people, um, you know, not even a couple of stages, but just have one stage because, you know, music festivals usually have more than one. Just have one fucking stage and then, like, or maybe cap it at, like, 500 people or whatever the max that the island could hold. But I think he, he fucked around and scheduled it during, like, a weekend where something else was going on too, something else was big was going on, so there were no other accommodations. It, it was a fucking mess. It you know what? Rich people are suckers. I'm going to tell you why, okay? When uh, back in like 2001, 2002, when Netflix came out, right, and I'm reading Netflix, and they're like, yeah, we'll send you, you know, you pay one price every month. We send you movies in the mail, and there's no late fees. And I'm like, what kind of socialist horse shit is this, you know? And I looked them up, and this, and I'm not saying this to be funny. I before I gave them my credit card information, I looked them up on the Better Business Bureau, and found out they're they're a legit business. And I'm like, okay. And this is back when I was this. I mean, this is back when I thought that online banking was witchcraft. So that's a different time for me. But um, but I I looked up Netflix on the Better Business Bureau. You mean these rich fucks couldn't look up the Fire Festival and look who was organizing it? A festival that they never heard of before. So it's not like they were going to Coachella where they know, okay, this has been around for a while. Brand new festival. No one could Google these motherfuckers and be like, oh, who's putting this together? All they saw was the influencers posting. They were like, oh, like Kylie's associated with this somehow or um, this model is associated because there was um, Bella Hadid or whatever the fuck. Like they were, they were recognizable faces. And pictures. So of course they thought that these people, like they didn't think like these bitches ain't gonna be at the festival. They're just posting it, right? Like they were paid to post it, you know. And that's why now 
that law has been changed, you have to be transparent about what's as and what's an endorsement. Like, okay, no, like I'm endorsing this because I'm associated with it or I'm going to be there versus, oh, no, I was just paid to repost this. So. That's the ability of freaking social media. Exactly. And, you know, the, law, the law is always late to catch up, so, you know, they didn't technically have these things uh, beforehand, so. Uh, but I guess Ja Rule is free to hold up a do another uh do another festival. <laughs> it's funny because a guy that I a guy that I went to high school with is actually signed to his label. Um I don't know what it's called though. I don't think it's called Murder Inc. anymore, but anyway, he's signed to like some subset associated with what Murder Inc. was. So he's like in that circle is my point. And um I think I saw on his he posted something on Facebook or Instagram one day, and I said, mm, "I said, tell John not to do no fire festival shit or something like that." And I was like, <laughs> "I feel like this. Uh, make sure John ain't doing no fire festival." I said, "Is he gonna be at this music festival? Or is he gonna be a fire fest?" Like I said, something smart as hell to him, and he was just like, "Oh, you wildin'?" He was like, "I see you funny." Put it like this. If Ja Rule makes another festival and you go to that thing, they should strip you naked, tie you to a log, and push you down a river, you know, because that, that's how much of a sucker you would be if you went to anything with his name on it anymore, especially after he got off. Now, here's the thing. If he had to pay a whole bunch of fines and then he did another festival, at least, at least you would have the – it would be okay to think, okay, he got punished last time. He's making another festival. He's going to do it right this time. So I'd still think you were a sucker, but at least I wouldn't think you were a total sucker, you know. But if he, if he makes another festival and people go to that, you deserve to be robbed and beaten. And I, and I don't condone violence, but I do condone checking people for their stupidity, you know. Now, did you say he was, in, he was, in, he was looking at doing another festival? Or getting involved in one? Yeah. <laughs> he did say was. that in the, during that Breakfast Club interview that he wanted to, like that he wanted to do that, like do another festival. Of like, mm-hmm. yeah, mm. yeah. So I'm not stuck on, but uh, either way, I'm not going. I don't want any parts of that. Um, I just think it's crazy that he was absolved of any wrongdoing. Um, it wasn't really held accountable, at least financially. Huh. But anyway, all right. So last but not least, as far as uh, guys that got that kind of got on my nerves and said dumb shit this week, um, Jermaine Dupree. I don't know where he was being interviewed. I don't recognize. I did hear the clip, and I watched a little bit of it. But the two women he was talking to, I don't know. But essentially, he was asked about like kind of like the status of female rappers in the game. And, oh, apparently it was on People TV. I didn't even know this was a thing. But um, he said that, I'm going to just sum up what he said. He basically said, like, female rappers don't talk about anything but stripping. It's like all strippers are rapping. And I was like, huh? Like, look, women rappers... I'll, I'll say this. Cardi, Cardi did not disappoint me as far as her response is concerned. She got up on Instagram, as she usually does, 
And she posted a, a clip that basically said, like, look, I tried to do be when I did be careful, everybody hated that fucking song because it wasn't about me catching licks and it wasn't about me stripping, it wasn't about me partying. Everybody fucking hated that song. So guess what? I'm gonna go back to my twerk shit and talking about other content that I wanna talk about because that shit is popping, is what is what people wanna hear. I'm gonna give the people what they wanna hear. But she then she went on to list like a whole bunch of other female rappers, including like Rhapsody and another rapper whose name she couldn't pronounce, um, whose content is a little more diverse. And she was like, there's a lot of dope female rappers out, but y'all don't play their shit. She, so she was, like, calling out the blogs and calling out all these different media outlets for not supporting them. And so she went on to name people that she thought was dope and that people should support. And she was like, but even so, like, if, if the music speaks to anybody – women or men, then, like, mind your fucking business, Jermaine Dupree, not to mention when men were running the shit, y'all, all y'all niggas talking about was, like, money, cash, and hoes. Like, that's literally a song, money, cash, hoes, usually drug dealing. Jermaine Dupree definitely talked about that content in his music, too. And I remember when Brat had her turn, they tried to, like, sexualize her. Like, I remember her trying to be... That song with Tyrese that she had, they tried to take it and make it into something else, like make Brat into something else. And, I mean, oh, I, I, I wasn't a big fan of the Brat, but the Brat was fine the way she was, you know. Right, right, and that's my point. So it's like how can you say, like, females need to talk about X, Y, and Z? First of all, you're not even a woman, so you can't even, like, you, you don't know what that experience is like. If you can't relate, just say, I can't relate. Because at the end of the day, you're never going to be able to relate. So, no. I mean, I can't relate to being a stripper, but the music is good. I, I'll, I'll put it like this. Right now. Yeah, I, I forget if it was one of those channels that do all these top ten lists. I don't know if it was Looper or uh, What Culture or whatever it was, right? But they did a list of their top ten female rappers of all time. And their number one was Salt and Pepper, and I'm like, I think Salt and Pepper would have kind of been, you know, a little bit lower down the list. You know, I mean, they were trendsetters, you know, but I don't know about them being number one, you know. But there were two rappers on the list who did not make it, not even the honorable mentions, and I was mad about that. One was Bahamadia, and Bahamadia is, I, I figured she'd end up on the honorable mentions because a lot of people don't really know about Bahamadia. But she was one of my favorite rappers, you know, from yeah, like. I remember her. She had a really heavy voice. That's what I yeah. liked about her. Mhm. And then MC Light didn't make the list, not even in the honorable mentions. And I'm like, how y'all make a top ten list of female rappers and not put MC Light on the list? I'm like, the fuck is the matter with you people? But Nicki Minaj is gonna be on the list. Why? Because she sells some records. Fuck out of here. Like that's how that's how angry I get about my music like that. <laughs> but I mean, if you have your Foxy Browns and your little Kims, and then you also have your MC Lights, your Bahamadias, your Rhapsodies, that's fine. So as long as there's a, it doesn't have to be like an exact balance, but if you have somebody like, I don't like all this stripper stuff, oh, Rhapsody has a new single out, I'll check that out instead. That's fine. So I agree with Jermaine Dupree, maybe 5%, in that all these 
uh, all these songs about, all, I mean, if you want to call it that. I'm not going to degrade people by calling it that, by calling it stripper rap. But if the stripper rap, for lack of a better term, is hitting on the charts and that's what people want to hear, that's one thing. But it's a matter of, like you said, they're not playing the other stuff. So I'll put it like this. I didn't even know what Rhapsody looked like until I and, – and it's funny that you mentioned Rhapsody because I didn't even know what she looked like until last night. I was just flipping through videos because I couldn't sleep. And, they, and every now and then I'd catch uh, Rate the Bars, and she was doing Rate the Bars for uh, BET. Yeah, I really like that. I like that series. I was watching one with Tigger last night, and, like, when they first started doing it, they put rappers against each other. So, like, it was like Tigger was rating KRS-One against Big Pun, and he recognized, like, I think he got, like, two or three lines in before he realized it was KRS-One. Yeah. And then he became kind of biased a little bit. But I like it when they switch up the rappers each round you know, and then, like, have you rate them. So that way they can't really identify who yeah. it is. But they, but they put one of uh, Rhapsody's own songs in there, and just looking at the lyrics, now I'm just like, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm, about, to, I'm about to check her out. You know, because like I said, I don't really listen to rap like I used to. Like I said, I wish Run the Jewels would just make two albums a year and just be done with it. But, um, because all these new, I mean, if it's not J. Cole or, um, Run the Jewels, I, I could care less about it. But well, I you know, you know she's from North Carolina, so, like, that's why people people stand for her, I think, a little harder here. So this lady was nominated for a whole ass Grammy. Um, so for Jermaine Dupri to say what he said, I was just like, what the fuck are you talking about? Not to mention rappers like, while 21 Savage has gotten much better recently, but, like, initially, 21, Future, all the niggas, like, they all sound the same. It's like, talking about lean and whatever the fuck. If you could ever pick up the words that they were saying, they were talking about the same shit, too. So it's like, how dare you talk about, first of all, at least I can understand the female rappers, but how dare you even say, like, like try to hold them to a standard that you yourself can't even meet? Well, put it like this. A lot of times it's not just about... The rapping, it's about how you do it. Like, G, Cool G Rap has made nothing but, but gangster rap since, like, the late 80s, right? But the way he styles it, like, he had a song on, um, he was on Ghostface Killer's album. He had a concept album called 36 Seasons. And he had a song on there called Loyalty, he did with another rapper. And he starts off, um, very, I don't want to butcher G Rap's rhymes, but he was like, man, listen, I'm ambitious. I'll leave a man missing. Leave something ticket underneath this transmission. And I'm like, and he, you know, he, he goes on, and I'm just like, all right, tell me more, G-Rap. But, you know, a lot of these cats like Future and all them, when they do their stuff, I mean, everybody can't be, you know, I mean, M.O.P. is not, you know, flipping words and stuff like that, but I love M.O.P. I got like four of their albums, you know. And um, they just have that energy and that vibe I can get with, like any up. That song almost got me into robbing people. <laughs> I was wanting yeah, to be a stick-up kid. I was wanting to be a stick-up kid after listening to that. But the first female MC that really made me really take notice was MC Light. Like, I loved MC Light. You know, she was one of my favorites. And I liked oh, yeah, Salt and Pepper. 
Uh, yeah, like, it's, it's funny because I was actually, like, you know, driving to work after this whole debate because people were talking about it on you know, all the morning talk shows, radio talk shows, and I was listening to Sway in the Morning on the way to work yesterday, and their resident DJ, DJ Wonder, uh, had a Total Request Friday where he was only taking – he didn't implicitly say it, but, like, Total Request Fridays, he gets on Instagram Live, and people put what songs they want to hear in the comments. So, obviously, what he did, though, was only take the female rapper request. Mm-hmm. I didn't hear one type of song during a set, and I was probably listening for about 30 minutes of that, um, maybe 20 to 30 minutes of that mix, and he didn't play. I didn't hear any Salt and Pepper. I did hear Rage. I heard... Um, this other, apparently this rapper named Snow something, I've, I had never heard of her before that, but I definitely yeah. want to look her up. She, her sound kind of reminds me of, like, Dej Loaf and somebody else. I had okay. the name yesterday, and I was like, so she kind of, like, sings, but her content was really, really great in that one song that I heard. I was like, damn, i got to look this girl up again. Like, this is dope, but it was something with Snow in it, and I was like, ooh, Snow, like, Informer? Like, that was the first place my mom went. Right. Like, uh, there's a lot of, like, the whole set just had me had me rocking out. Like, it put me in a really good mood, a good headspace for for the day. Yeah. But, I mean, one thing I, I found out, like, if I go to um, Spotify and I just start doing um, – I'll take a song and then make a, a radio playlist out of that song, and I'll find stuff that I'd never heard before. Like, that's how I found out, you know, Cool Keith was still making a whole bunch of records. I found out about Aesop Rock and Cannibal Ox and stuff like that. And and, uh, and that's how I found out about, truthfully, about, um, what's his name? Like, um, LP, you know, because I knew he was with um, Company Flow, you know, because I, I had that album. I didn't know he was doing solo stuff until I saw In other words, all that music is out there. So all these female rappers out here aren't just doing stripper rap. Like I said, I don't mean to denigrate, just for lack of a better term. But the problem is they aren't getting the play. So I, I figure it like this. If all, these, if, if all these women were out there getting their fair shot, right, would – things be different. So I understand Cardi B's point. She tried to do something different, a little bit more profound, and people didn't like it. So she went back to doing the, the stripper rap. I get that 100% because here's the thing. If you're not making money for your label, your label has no use for you. Remember one thing. Mm-hmm. Michael Jackson, biggest pop star on the planet, and when he stopped making money, they cut him. So I understand. I mean, if you're a, a big-name artist, I un- I. I hate it, but I understand it. Not even the reason, but one of the reasons labels um, are less likely to sign female artists as well is because of the maintenance that's associated with, main, you know, with keeping their looks up. So, like, the makeup and having a team of makeup and hair and outfits and shit, whereas, like, the guy rappers can, you know, get away with, like... That's horseshit. I mean, come on. I mean, it's not, it's not like women go broke. Uh, do, you know much, do you know how much makeup artists make? Like, I could kind of see that being a reason where I would... I might look at it and be like, whoa. But I'm sure, like, the return on investment is greater anyway. But I could see that being a reason to be 
Yeah, those record labels are full of shit. As if they couldn't afford it. <laughs> it's not like they're like, you know, Bucktown Records with like three people working in the office. You know, these are major labels, man. They can they can definitely afford a makeup artist or even have an in-house makeup artist. You don't gotta get people from outside. I mean, it's not that it's not that difficult. That's like saying that's like saying we don't have women soldiers because they have their periods. And you know how they get when they're on their periods, they may kill us instead. Like that's horseshit, you know. Just say that they don't like uh, what they're rapping about and just be done with it. Don't be like, oh, they're they're so high maintenance. I mean, they they wear makeup. Let them labels get the fuck out of here with their horse shit, their sexist bullshit. <laughs> I'm sorry, but uh, you know, it's not like women only wear makeup when they work for record labels. So this whole notion of, oh, um, they're too high maintenance because they wear makeup and they have to upkeep their looks, you know. I, and I know men don't exactly just roll out of bed and just. I mean, some do. I mean, Lil Wayne looked like he hadn't bathed in five years. So I know some men can probably get away with that whole, I slept in a dumpster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Not F Jermaine Dupree forever, but fuck Jermaine Dupree right now because he on some dumb shit. He on some dumb shit. So. And, oh, and he said, he said it on an interview. So he didn't say it on social media, right? Yeah, this is in the interview. There, I, I was looking it up, and there's some, I don't know if she's a singer or a rapper. I guess a rapper. Her name is Ari, uh, Ari Lennox. Oh, she's no, a singer. She, she has a beautiful voice, Ari Lennox. Yeah. She, so supposedly, her, um, she was in Philly for the Ruth Picnic. So supposedly she, uh, she dissed Jermaine Dupri in the freestyle after, after, what, he, after what he said. So I'm, I'm going to have to look that up. Okay. I, yeah, she sings, but I'll take it. I'm sure it was good. Yeah. But. All right. That's all I got. All right. And now we get into the dark half. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I, you know, usually I try to have something a little bit fun to talk about, you know, but. I don't really have anything really fun to talk about this week because, like, everything is death so far. I don't know. It's just been a terrible, terrible week, you know. But um, I watch a lot of independent news people on YouTube. So I watch Young Turks. I watch um, uh, Majority Report. Those are my top two. You know, I also watch, like, Michael Brooks was on there, has his own show, his own weekly show, um, Rational National, and I will admit that he kept coming up on my recommendations, and I'm just like, I'm not trying to listen to no, no crazy right-wing horse shit. And it turned out, oh, he's actually really, really good. But his name just was off-putting. Like, you hear Rational National. First thing you think is, like, right-wing nut job, you know. Uh, Kyle Kalinske, um, well, David Dole is Rational National. Um, David Pakman, stuff like that, right. And I, I found out something. Well, David Pakman had a huge story about it. Like he was crunching the numbers and he found out that YouTube, which is owned by Google now, they are changing their algorithm to make sure that all these recommendations, because the reason why I know about all these different people, because they were showing up on my recommendations, right? 
And now YouTube is changing their algorithm in order to take recommendations away from independent Internet news and shift it back toward Fox, CNN, uh, MSNBC. Oh, hell no. And they're doing it because younger viewers don't really watch Fox and CNN and MSNBC. They watch independent, uh, independent news media because they just want to cut through all the horse shit. Now, and, and a lot of shows, they do it, uh, you know, and these are the formats, but, you know, they'll tell you the story. And a lot of them are not shy about their opinion. So they'll come out and they'll say, hey, listen, you know, um, Young Turks, like we, we say all the time, we're the home of progressives. You understand? Like they just know that they, they just, they're not uh, shy about their slant, but they do tell, for the most part, they do tell the truth. So they'll, you know, come out with the story, and then, and then they'll say, well, and, then, and like Kyle's, Kyle's thing is, like, I'll tell you the story, and then let's discuss. You know what I mean? Like, he'll tell you how he, how he feels about that story, but he'll give you the actual story. So a lot of them this week, they were really ragging on Tucker Carlson. Because Tucker Carlson, for those who don't know who Tucker Carlson is, he, is a, he doesn't wear a bow tie anymore, which I'm very disappointed by. Because it, it made him stand out from the other racists, you know. A lot of these racists are just basically just the same, you know. They're just these, you know, pale-faced douchebags. And every now and then you'll get a Candace Owens or a Jesse Lee Peterson who will just be like, you know, uh, black-white nationalist, <laughs> for lack of a better term, especially Jesse Lee Peterson. He is, he is, a, he is an absolute mess, you know. Basically, if you go on the show and you start to answer his questions the way he doesn't like, which is means telling the truth, he'll just call you a beta male. <laughs> or, he'll ask, or he'll just ask you a, an, another dumb question. He's just terrible, and, and he has a following. People like him, you know. But Tucker Carlson went on this racist rant. And what Tucker Carlson is not really a rant. It's just basically him just saying it's like he's very eloquent about his racism. So he's very calm and very even-toned. Like anybody who listens to us, especially when I was doing politics, they know I get mad. <laughs> and Blue, God bless his heart, always has to talk me down off the ledge when I start getting heated about certain subjects, you know. And it's hard to do this and not be, not be passionate, you know. But um, Tucker Carlson, he, he'll just say the most racist stuff, but he'll say it in a calm, even tone. And then he'll, you know what I mean? He's, he's excellent at it, you know, of basically making racism eloquent and legitimate. So he had this racist rant about Ilhan Omar. And here's the thing about his rant on her, right? It, he was basically saying that people like Ilhan Omar, uh, instead of criticizing America, should be grateful because they rescued her from, uh, I think she, uh, she's Somalia, I think. She's from Somalia, I think. Okay. You know, I keep wanting to say the Sudan for some reason. I think she is she is Somali born, and um, she was uh, Ilhan Omar was in was had had a uh, I forget where she talked about this part of it, but uh, she had a quote, and she said uh, talking about her arriving in America. She said she said I arrived at the age of twelve, and learned that I was the extreme other. I was black. I was Muslim. I also learned that I was extremely poor 
and that the classless America that my father talked about didn't exist. And when she says classless, meaning that there is no, like in India has the caste system, which I don't know if they still have that. I learned about that in, in, in high school, where it's like yeah. if you were poor, you stay poor. If you're rich, you stay rich, right. you know. And I remember they used to talk about immigrants coming here in like in the, 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 the 40s and 50s and the 30s, and then they would hear tales of America. And, and one of the things that they would say is like, in America, the streets are paved with gold. Nope. They're paid with the teeth of immigrants who worked their asses off to build this country and got almost nothing in return. Okay? Yep. She, told, she told her father, this doesn't look like the America you promised. Okay? All this patriotic horseshit is just that. It's horseshit. Okay? The, and people like Tucker Carlson are one of the reasons why this country is the way it is. His rhetoric on Ilhan Omar is he's basically saying... We need our immigrants to just love us, right? He says that America is the most uh, generous nation in, in the history of the planet, right? Meanwhile, I bet you, I guarantee you, he's never been anywhere. No, I will say, I will say this. I will say this. Not a European country. Right, right. And if he does go other places, he probably stays at the resort. So he doesn't probably doesn't hang out with people. So if he sees the natives, they probably bring in the, the, the dessert tray. You know what I mean? Like, or, or carrying his bags. Because, I mean, here's the thing that pisses me off about someone like Tucker Carlson. Number one, his rhetoric is dangerous. Because he'll, he'll come out and say, he doesn't say, oh, I'm against Ilhan Omar's policies. Because how can you be against uh, universal health care and uh, – erasing student debt because that affects the people that listen to his show. So he can't come out and say, I'm against these things because he'll look like a moron, but he'll call her dangerous and call her a radical and say that she hates America, you know, and she's dangerous and we need to change our immigration system so that we can get immigrants that love us, you know, love is usually, I mean, unless you're in a, a, a really weird and dangerous relationship. Love is usually a two-way street. Isn't there a song like that? Stacy Lattisar. God. I don't like that. I think so. Yeah, that was uh, what was it? Uh, I I found love on a two-way street and lost it on a lonely highway. Now I got now I got to find that song on Spotify. But um, <laughs> it's been a while since I heard the Stacy Lattisar song. But I mean, love is usually a two-way thing. You know, if you have, you may have someone in a relationship that may love one person more than the other, but you don't usually have one where one loves of one one person, the other one hates them. That's not really a, a relationship, not a very healthy one anyway. But Tucker seems to feel like, okay, well, we saved you, so you need to love us. And even though we pry your mouth open and pour shit down your throat every day that you need to love us. Put it like this. When Tucker Carlson says that America is the most generous nation in the world, that may have been true a long, long time ago. May have been. I don't know, right? How about in the last uh, 30 years, okay? What are we giving to the world lately? How about uh, 400 dead Iraqi civilians in a war that we lied to get into, okay? How about back in the 80s, our CIA destabilizing Central America, and 30 years later when refugees, victims of our meddling, 
come to America to flee the horrible conditions that we created, we take their kids away and put them in child kennels. Put it like this, stray dogs who are about to be euthanized have better conditions than these kids have in these, uh, in these baby cages. Okay. How about the fact that we ally ourselves with Israel and Saudi Arabia? We sell them weapons that they use to subjugate and kill innocent women and children. And the Saudis in their war against Yemen, they're actually targeting schools, targeting school buses. Okay. I'm pretty sure every time Ilhan Omar checks her voicemail and gets a bunch of death threats, she just thinks to herself, oh, America, I love you too. You know? You have... Put it like this, when I went to do a, um, a hashtag for Ilhan Omar, when I was making my tweet yesterday, the first hashtag that popped up was Ilhan Omar uh, resign. And I don't, know if they go, I don't know if they go in order, but here's the thing. People like Tucker Carlson don't want Ilhan Omar's message to be heard because her and the other freshmen are talking about things that go against the establishment. Tucker Carlson is a trust fund baby. Okay, he is heir to you ever eat those Swanson home dinners. That's his family. They own that. Okay, so Tucker Carlson doesn't need millions of dollars from Fox News because he's already filthy rich. So in other words, he's taking his spare time to get on Fox News and tell poor people that people that are poorer than them are the cause of their problems. Don't look up to the rich people who have all the money and all the influence and all the power. Don't look at them. You know, look, look down on other people. Look at people who are drowning in rivers trying to get here, trying to flee violence in their own countries. Those are your enemies, not the people who actually control everything. That's why I think Tucker Carlson is one of the most disgusting people on the planet. And while I don't condone violence, if I saw Tucker Carlson in, in, in public, I can't say that I wouldn't beat the shit out of him. I can't say that. Oh, or, at least, or at least try. I'm pretty sure he walks the street with security. So at least I try. I'm pretty sure, Tucker, I'm pretty sure someone like Tucker Carlson doesn't just leave his apartment or, or his mansion and go down to the wing place and sit down and have wings. I'm pretty sure he doesn't have that type of clout. Because he's a hated figure because he says a lot of hateful things. You know. Republicans are basically the biggest hypocrites on the planet. And they've offered nothing to the world in the last 40-plus years. That is, that is a true statement. Look it up. I mean, you're not going to find that direct quote, but just find out what Republicans have given to the world in the last 40-plus years. Just, just to the country alone. Oh, uh, Reaganomics, that helped us out a lot. Now I can't retire because I have no pension and I have no money in my 401K. Thanks, Reagan. I wish I could kill you again, you know. That he has launched a business with or a partnership with um like like a cannabis company mm-hmm. and that partnership is actually designed specifically to help black people who have been strategically shut out of shut out, shut out of the opportunities in the cannabis industry because they've been um, because they've been a part of the system. So 
like let's say you know you had a like a, a weed charge in the 80s or whatever the fuck or the early 90s right. and then you you served your time now you're out but you want to actually now when weed is becoming legalized you want to get back into the industry or get into that industry and make money because that's what all the white people are doing so Jay-Z has partnered with this cannabis company to help them specifically um Get 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 back into the game. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'll put it like this: I don't smoke. I never have. So, um, you know, it wouldn't be my desire for weed to be legal is not for me because I don't smoke, and I don't think I'm too old to start smoking. But, um, I really want to be legal for all the people who went to jail for no reason and now have criminal records and now find it very hard to get a job or rent an apartment, you know, because a lot of places won't take you if you have a criminal record. Yeah. So I know some candidates talk about having those records expunged if it was for like for marijuana. I am 100% for that. Absolutely. And then if you can now make money off of uh, selling weed, go for it. You know, so but I mean, people like Tucker Carlson and every now and then, and I think Young Turks expose this part of Tucker Carlson. What makes him more, I don't want to say dangerous, but every now and then he will side with liberals on something, but still have like he'll he'll side with them and, and saying like Jeff Bezos has too much money. You know, but the reason why he says Jeff Bezos has too much money is because Jeff Bezos runs what was the uh, was the Washington Post? I think uh, he owns. Yeah, you know, and those are the people who are constantly going after his hero Donald Trump. You know, put it like this: here's here's an example of how much uh, of a hypocrite people like Tucker Carlson are, and basically just the right wing in general, right? I've talked about this many times, how people – remember that, that idiot that went up in that pizzeria in D.C. because he heard this conspiracy theory that Hillary Clinton and one of her aides uh, was running a child sex ring in the basement of this pizzeria. So they've, yeah. they've called the cops many times, and the cops were just like, this place, this pizzeria doesn't have a basement. So you're a crackpot. Don't call us again, you know? So this guy was so, you know, like, oh, my God, i got to save these children, that he went with his AR-15 and walked into the pizza place to, in, to investigate, ended up shooting up the place. And luckily, nobody was hurt, and he was taken down without a fight when the cops showed up, right? So if these people care about these kids so much, like, oh, my God, they're in this child sex ring, why haven't they gone after Jeffrey Epstein? Okay? You want to go you want to go kill Hillary Clinton when you thought that she was wearing a child sex ring with zero evidence. Jeffrey Epstein was convicted of it. And then got a sweetheart deal where he got to basically he's only in prison one day a week. He was able to leave six days a week, uh, eighteen hours a day to quote unquote work because he was a hedge fund manager, which I didn't know was the most important job on the planet. Because, I mean, not like uh, being a pediatrician or a climate scientist or, or a fireman is important. You know, oh, if you're a hedge fund manager and, and keeping rich people richer, uh, 
that's worth you not being in prison six out of seven days a week. You know, Jeffrey Epstein is in mint condition, hasn't been touched. No one's gone after him. No one said, hey, you're raping these young girls. We're going to get you. You know why? Because they don't give a fuck about kids. Okay? They probably don't even give a fuck about their own kids. Yeah? All they care about is, um, it's two things. Number one, uh, if you're rich, you're automatically a good person somehow. I've seen so many cases lately where judges have basically let rapists off the hook or given them really light sentences because they're like, well, he comes from a good family. What, what that judge means by he comes from a good family means he comes from a rich family. And these Republicans equate money with talent or money with being a good person, even when you are the exact opposite of these things. Okay? All of Donald Trump's flaws and faults which is basically the, the composition of his soul, is just flaws and faults. Um, it's all out for the public to see for the last, I don't know, 50 years. And people still voted for him. People still defend him. They make excuses for him because he's got money. And if he's got money, he's got to be a good person. And I know it sounds simplistic, doesn't it? But think yeah. about it. You know, it does sound simplistic, but there, I've, I've heard, you know, when People, uh, they are like, you know, they're like, well, Donald Trump's a businessman. Yeah. He's not a very good one, though. Matter of fact, uh, I don't think he's run a successful business ever. All his businesses have failed. But what make, what, so why does Donald Trump still have money? Because he's a grifter, and he, is a, he, is, he can give a master class on grifting suckers. And that, that's why he's president, because he grifted people, you know. Well, that and Democrats are idiots, but that's another matter altogether, you know. But they think that money equals morals, or like if you – the only thing that makes you have, have a good family is that if you have money. Put it like this. On the Forbes top ten list, I forget how many of it was. I have to look that up again. But most of those people on the Forbes top ten list – um. They inherited their money. They didn't make the money. The money was there when they were born. Okay? And you have some people, like Paris Hilton, as, as dumb as she seems, um, she's actually, somebody actually crunched the numbers, and they said that Paris Hilton has made more money with her inheritance than Donald Trump has made with his. Look, I've heard that before. I'm not really that surprised. Yes, that's, I mean, <laughs> being able to grow your money is definitely something that should be recognized. Like, that's a talent. That's mm-hmm. the thing you, everybody deserves, deserves it, should be recognized for, you know, and that's what, that's what Paris Hilton should be recognized for. Like, she has grown her money. And especially since it's so easy to lose money, you know. So if you're able to take a uh, million dollars and make it into uh, $10 million or $10 million and make it into $100 million, that is something to be applauded in this day and age because it's very easy for businesses to go under. It's very easy to lose money. You know? mm-hmm. When people talk about the stock market, they're just like, oh, yeah, uh, uh, here's an interesting phenomenon. Whenever the stock market crashes because Donald Trump is a moron, I lose thousands of dollars out of my 401k. But when they say the stock market is hitting record highs, 
My 401k doesn't change. 80% of people in the country don't own stocks. So the stock market is not a great indicator of the economy. It doesn't matter who the president is. It doesn't matter if it's uh, Bush, Obama, Reagan. The stock market is not an indication of how well the country is doing. It basically just an uh, indication of how rich people are doing. <laughs> you want to know why so many Americans got soaked in the Great Depression? And one of the reasons why there was so much money flung around in, you know, in, in the 20s? Because they were actually allowing people to borrow money to play the stocks, okay? Because here's the thing. I'm not putting my money in the stock market. I mean, my 401K is there, and it's suffering for it. But I'm not going to take money from my paycheck and play the stocks. Get the fuck out of here. I'm not doing that. But maybe if I can get a loan to play the stocks, I might do that. Now, I'm just saying that being, uh, you know, I wouldn't, <laughs> but somebody might, but that's what was happening. So people were borrowing money in order to play the stocks, you know, because the more people who are in the stock market, the more money that's there. But when the stock market crashed, they called in their markers, and that's how all these people went broke. And they believe in the uh, trading places. Yeah. $75 million? I'm not going to lie. I had to read the article to find out how they lost all that money. You know? Oh, with the orange juice? Yeah. They were betting, basically, basically betting against the system. They were like, oh, okay, like, we, we think that uh, the juice or like the oranges or the orange harvest has been affected and it wasn't. I think because like there was something with the temperature or some shit like that. Right. So they were, oh, okay, like the market's going to be affected. Like we'll kind of bet against it. And then they were wrong. And yeah, they were trying to corner the market because they figured, okay, we'll, we'll buy high and then um, it'll go even higher once people find out, oh, uh, the frost killed all these oranges, and now we got all the oranges. And basically, they found out the hard way, oh, the, the, the crop is fine. And it was a, a part that Dan Aykroyd said. That's the part that, um, you know, when they were like, wait for it, wait for it. And then yep. he said, um, whatever he said, uh, it, it was basically. Yeah, I never understood. Yeah, I never understood what he said. But he was like, like, yeah, he yelled out something, and everybody yeah. went fucking crazy. So basically, it was, it was the equivalent of him saying, I'm going to buy all these oranges from you, right? But he says that I'm going to buy them at uh, basically at a low price and be able to sell them for a higher price. And it basically switched out after they found out that the orange crops were fine. So in other words, if he bought all those oranges and then um, – I, it's kind of weird, you know. It's one of the reasons why I don't play the stocks. money over a dollar bet. That's all I know. <laughs> Basically, like I have no clue what the hell's going on out there. I I was in an internet argument with somebody, and they were just like, um, he was like this money guy. He was one of uh, a friend of a friend who works for like one of these finance companies, and he was just like um, going on and on about the stock market, you know, and all this other horse shit. And he was like, well, 
um, like he said, you should you should learn how to play the stocks and then get yourself a broker. And I was just like, well, if I could, if I knew how to deal with stocks, why would I get a broker? Because I don't trust that dude. Nobody trusts brokers. Mm. And um, my dad has a uh, a broker that helps him handle his retirement money, right? And he is a I forget what they call it. I don't want to say if you, I'm probably going to say the wrong thing, but they are basically bound by law to, in other words, if there are two deals, right? Two, and I'm just, I'm just making up uh, just off the top of my head. If there's one deal that makes you money and another deal that won't make you as much money, but gives them fees, right? By law, they have to do the one that makes you money. Even if they get less money in fees, Right, because they're bound by law to do that, and that law was repealed under the Trump administration. Wow. So it gives us less reason to trust these people. You know, look at what happened with uh, with Jim Cramer, who ran that show Mad Money, when he was telling people to invest in Bear Stearns right before it went under. So he was out there with his little whistles and horns and like Bear Stearns, Bear Stearns, Bear Stearns, and then Bear Stearns goes under, and people lost all their money. And I, I will give him credit for one thing. He did go on the Daily Show after that happened, and John Stewart was still the host, and John Stewart gave him a tongue lashing about it. And you know, and Jim Craig was just kind of just he was just soaking it up because he knew he was wrong. So I would never have gone on that show if I pulled some shit like that. I'm not gonna lie, you know. But I'll give him I'll give him all the credit in the world. He went out there and tried to explain himself and when he couldn't explain himself he just took the he just took the verbal beating. You know. I guess I will talk about one we are, we have a couple minutes left. I will talk about one semi fun thing. Um Nas has a new song out. Uh with Al Jarreau, of all people, didn't know he was still alive, not trying to be funny. <laughs> so uh, it's it's kind of like a so of course it's it's more of a, a jazzy type song and and I think that he is I think it's called I think it's called like rap Algero hold on I might still be on my on my playlist because I listened to it yesterday and um I kind of like it you know and 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 to, to go into the whole Temptations miniseries would I spend my last dollar on it no but would I stream it. Yes. <laughs> so, if you haven't had a chance to check it out, check it out. I think I think Nas is just trying to get the the taste out of that Kanye West album out of his mouth. Well, I remember there was a song that Nas did though with his pops. Um, that was a really good song. Greatest Man Alive, I think it was called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like that had that jazzy feel to it. Um, Nas is always he's he's such a Virgo. That's why he's bae. But he's um he's always been influenced, you know, by multiple sounds and stuff like that. And that's what I can really appreciate about and, him. And, and, and I like that about him, you know, that he's not just doing the same thing over and over and over, even if it sells, you know, to kind of do something a little bit different, you know, just to kind of – because, I mean, they talked about uh, Metallica years ago when they made uh, – after the uh, the Black album. It was a huge album for them. I think they sold like 10, 12 million copies of that album. And the the albums that came out after that had a, had a different sound to it, and people weren't automatically digging it. But 
James Hetfield, the lead singer, was like, look, you know, we're, we're getting, we're like, we're almost middle-aged now. We can't do, you know, Ride the Lightning and Master of Puppets forever, you know. When you get older, your, your, uh, your musical styles kind of change with it, you know. There was a lot of, uh, you know, even, even a group like Nine Inch Nails. I remember they had a song called Wish. That was the first one I ever heard from them. It's like Trent Reznor, and he's like he's, he's got this whole industrial feel to it, and he's just like singing stuff like, uh, you know, like I'm the one without a soul, I'm the one with this big fucking hole, and I'm just like, oh my god, this shit is awesome. And if you listen to his stuff now, it's so much more. After what, like 20 years of doing that, you know, it's still industrial, but it's still gritty, but it's a lot more reserved because he's older now. You know, you can't do uh, head like a hole forever. You know. You grow up, your music grows up with you, and then and then your fans grow with you, and that's the thing. If you're you know? doing it right, if you're, if doing, you're it doing it right. right, exactly. You can't do like MC Hammer did, and go from you got to pray just to make it today, and then your next album pumps in the bump, pumps in the bump. I'm like, I'm like, the fuck is this nigga doing? I don't mean, I, I apologize for using the N word, but that was my thought when I saw him in that video. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? No one's going to buy that shit. What was that, Funky Headhunter? That, that album? Him posing with that sledgehammer? I will say, before we, before we let go, I remember Redman told the story about when him and, uh, and Def Squad had to pretty much flee California because he had, in, in one of in his albums, he was like, uh, he was dissing MC Hammer and he said something about his mom, you know, just messing around. MC Hammer took it seriously. And uh, MC Hammer was like, you know, you seen with the parachute pants and all that other stuff, like, you know, Hammer, Hammer. But he's really gangster. And oh, yeah. Yeah, because he was a Marine. Yeah. He was a Marine. And Redman, and, you know, Redman is not a punk at all. But Redman was talking to, um, I don't know if he was on Vlad TV or whatever, but he was talking about that. And he was just like, you know, they met with Hammer to kind of like, you know, work out a truce. And Hammer was just like, you know, I'm going to let you slide because you were young and you don't know much, but I don't appreciate nobody talking about my mama. And Red Man said, I was like, yes, sir. <laughs> you know, he don't play. MC Search said MC Hammer put out a $50,000 hit on him. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? In the Marines, he did not play. Yeah, I was like, I, I believe that wholeheartedly. <laughs> so... But I will say that tonight I'm going to be at the Coco booth to watch uh, Weird Al Yankovic. Uh, he's one of my favorite artists of all time. I know that seems kind of weird as somebody who grew up with NWA and KRS-One to be a Weird Al Yankovic fan. This is going to be my fourth time seeing him in a concert. The last time was rained out. You know, it was a horrible thunderstorm, and they had to. They were trying to push it through, and they and they saw that lightning coming down. They were like, "All right, guys, get out of here," <laughs> without trying to have anybody get struck. You know. And um, I will tell you one of my favorite Weird Al Yankovic stories was when he um, he was in an interview and he was talking about this is back when he was doing like my my Bologna right uh, back in the eighties and he said he just finished doing a show and he was out back you know catching a breather and a kid walks up to him and he goes hey are you Weird Al and he goes yeah and the kid just goes you suck. <laughs> and I was like, yep, this is going to be my career. I feel it. <laughs> but 
Now, he, he puts on a fantastic show if you're into that sort of thing. You know, he does, like, a different costume every few songs, and he's, 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 he's awesome, you know. So um, I'm going to enjoy myself. And it's outdoor. The Cocoa Booth is outdoors. So I've got to remember to, you know, hopefully it'll be a little cooler because the show starts at 8 o'clock. So I'm hoping it's going to be a little bit cooler out, you know, once the sun starts to go down. But Yeah. Yeah, it looks like you are going to be all set, you know. Um, it looks like it's not going to rain, so I think you'll be all right. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, uh, my last words for today, is that where, is that where we are? Am I talking yes. again? Mm-hmm. No, you're good. Um, I would say, oh, congrats to April Ryan. I got to, to stunt on social media this week, and I posted my picture um, from when I met April Ryan back in February at Shaw. Uh, she has recently been inducted into Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated, so congrats to her. Um, and to all the other Deltas who still decide to hang out um, in New Orleans in spite of the impending um, travel storm Barry that's coming through. Yes. Uh, so definitely hope that the Sorority get home safely um, and don't hang out. But you know, if you are going to end up in a situation like that, I would say we like Delta Sigma Theta. They're going to be donating the meals, basically the meals that they had lined up for all the SARS for the conference. They're now going to donate to the city so to make sure that the food doesn't go to waste. Um, and they came up with an evacuation plan and told everybody that the conference was going to be over, I think, at 12 or 2 uh, yesterday. So they wanted to give people time to get home early instead of waiting around for the tropical storm to come and just dismissing it like it was rain. So, you know, I think stars are doing it right. Leadership is doing it right. So shout out to them and hopefully everybody gets home safe. Yeah, exactly. And and I will say this. This is how I know I'm I'm too much into politics. When I saw your picture on Instagram, I instantly recognized April Ryan. I was like, oh, shoot, April Ryan. (laughs) Yes, I mean, I mean, you need to pick up a copy of her book. Yeah, Under Fire. Uh, she did autograph it. I haven't even cracked it open yet. Maybe that's what I'll be doing. I have a couple of applications to submit this weekend for for funding for my app, but uh, maybe after I get that done, I'll crack open her book and get a good read. I need to start reading books again because I read articles and magazines and that's it, and and online newspapers and that's it. Uh, so I think the last book I read from cover to cover, no lie, was Hunger Games. Wow. And that was maybe, that was maybe like a year before the movie came out that I finished that book, and it was it was a great book, you know. But that's the last book I read from cover to cover. So I probably need to start picking up a few more books and just, you know, even if I, even if I read like 10, 12 pages every night before I go to bed, I'll just do yeah. that. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. So, all right. So it is, uh, I don't know where you guys are, but we're in North Carolina and it's nice and sunny outside. And uh, go out and do something, you know. Me, I'm probably going to be an old man. I'm going to get something to eat. I'm going to clean my apartment a bit. And I'm going to take a nap. So I'm not nodding off while Weird Al Yankovic is doing this thing because I'm old now. I'm not that old. I'm just I'm just horribly out of shape. So I, I will need a nap before I go out there. <laughs> right. 
So I get to have dinner with my nephew, then we're going to go see Weird Al. Like his mom does part-time work at the Cocoa Booth. So we got to drop her off, and then we're going to go get some dinner, and then we're going to go see Weird Al. So. I know. Enjoy. All righty. And, uh, and everyone else, enjoy your day, and uh, stay safe and take care of one another. Sounds good. Bye, guys. Listening to Little Trey Beats.
and out listening to Little.